AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. Minneapolis Institute of Arts is, of course, a freaking gem. If you haven't been there lately, it's it's a worth a good visit. Uh, they've got Art and Bloom going on. I think that starts today. But we also have a, a visit from an Italian. That's right. Uh, joining us right now, Rachel McGarry is kind enough to take some time with us to talk about their brand new exhibit over there with Caravaggio. Uh, Rachel, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, first of all, I just got to talk about, let's start with the beginnings here. Explain to everyone out there that, who Caravaggio was and the importance of him as an artist. Well, Caravaggio was one of the most revolutionary and influential artists in the history of Italian art. And his art is totally shocking to see in person, and this is one of his most radical and revolutionary and shocking works that's on loan to the Minneapolis Institute of Art from now and through August 20th. And it's his painting of Judith and Holofernes, and he shows a grisly murder, a decapitation, and he painted this around 1599 in Rome, and it's really unbelievable to see in person. Now, this is a, it's depicting a a story from the Hebrew Bible, right? It's, yeah, it's from the Apocrypha, actually. So it's, it's part of the Bible that was rejected, actually, by, um, from the Jewish canon and from the Protest- Protestant canon, but the Catholics kept it in the Bible for a while longer. So in Caravaggio's day, it was part of the Bible. And it tells the story of a Jewish heroine, Judith, a young widow, a, um, a young woman, who is living in the town of Basilia, and her, her town is being sieged by the Assyrian army, who's led by the general Holofernes. And they're encamped outside her town, and her town is at a very strategic position um, in a hill that sort of protects Jerusalem. So if the Assyrian army, you know, wins and and invades the town and takes the town, then they'll be able to go into Jerusalem. So it's a really important place to defend. And um, so Holofernes' army is outside her town, and they've cut off the water supply, and they cut off the food, and Judith has to do something. The, the elders have sort of run out of ideas, and they're praying, and they're not sure what to do, so she convinces them to allow her to leave the town and, and sneak behind enemy lines, and she does this um, with a maid servant. They they leave the town, and they pretend to be deserting their town, and when Holofernes sees Judith arrive, he's absolutely enthralled by her because she's so beautiful, and she's so graceful and elegant, and so she's, um, he wants to throw a banquet in her honor. And so uh, so there's at the banquet, Paul Fernes has too much to drink, and he passes out from wine, and Judith takes her opportunity, and she decapitates him. Mm. And Caravaggio shows this moment. So this is actually a really popular subject in art, in, in especially Italian art in this period, um, of like in the 1600s. But most artists sort of show the moment after the decapitation where she runs back to her town with the decapitated head and presents it triumphantly to her town. Or a lot of artists show the moment right before the decapitation when she has the sword lifted up, about to, to take her, her big move. But Caravaggio instead, in his typical way, shows a much more grisly, um, gruesome uh, depiction of the subject where he shows her actually decapitating the head. And it's, it's really remarkable and powerful to see in person. This is a very large painting, correct? That's right. It's, so it's, it's 180 centimeters by 230 centimeters, so roughly six by seven and a half feet. So while Caravaggio sort of gives you this, the, the thing, one of the things about Caravaggio's style that's so um, 
so influential is he uses this kind of very sharp spotlit effect. It's called chiaroscuro from dark to light. So he spotlights the figures in the foreground. So they look like it looks like the scene's happening right in front of you. And while they look like they're about life size, like that it's happening in a contiguous space from the viewer walking into the exhibition, they're actually slightly larger than life size. So life size. So they're spotlit. They're large, there's this scary scene going on, and it has a real cinematic effect. And you, you, you know, I've seen visitors walk into the gallery, because we just opened it last week, and they stop in their tracks. Like, people are just sort of shocked by the picture. And you hear, our, you know, directors like Martin Scorsese and others going to Rome to study Caravaggio's paintings, and you really understand that when you stand before this picture. Well, and it's a shock value thing. I mean, the, the painting yeah. itself is gorgeous. I mean, and Judith is portrayed beautifully. Uh, and, and, and then it, of course it's, you know, you know, off with the head sort of thing. Uh, (laughs) but I mean, and and as a matter of fact, I mean, to a point, and I know this is going to be a reach, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Rembrandt in the way that the the darkness in the background, I mean, obviously Rembrandt, I think was inspired by this. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just, it's the way that the figures are highlighted in this and it, it, you know, it, it's. The, at the time that this was done, because the la, the last visit, the 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 paintings that the the MIA brought in, um, yeah. they were talking about the how you know we have to remember at this point this was what you did this is how you 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 know you, you portrayed life and in the same yes. exact way that movie theaters today and movie makers today try to grab you and get your attention this was a Caravaggio figured out this is a really easy way to get people's attention <laughs> that's so true and you know what's really interesting is that we have the inventory from the original owner. This very wealthy banker commissioned this picture. His name's Ottavio Costa. It was his most prized possession in his house. And he kept the painting behind a curtain. And I love this idea of imagining him, because, you know, it's too terrifying and shocking to just have up on view all the time. But I'm sure when he had visitors come over, as a, you know, as an entertainment and shock value, he probably loved to raise the, the curtain and, and completely terrify people coming to see his amazing paintings collection. So it was, you know, it's a way, it's, it, it shows how central painting was in Rome in the period. And I love that you brought up Rembrandt because Rembrandt really, you know, brings the, the darkness in Caroscuro to a whole other level, you yeah. know, but he's thinking about Caravaggio and Caravaggio sort of precedes him, you know, by half a century, you know, our Lucretia dates from, you know, 60 years later. And, and you have that same sort of spotlit effect of a woman, um, uh, committing suicide right in the foreground and it's and it's gripping and she's life-size and she stands before you and you it, it is like going to the it's going to the movies it's like a thriller well and it, let's just face it i mean the, what you just described with the owner keeping it behind the curtain and said let me show you yeah. something scary you know is it <laughs> isn't that every halloween twitter account i mean isn't right. that just, just uh, right. it's only it's halfway to halloween now let me here's my horror movie for, i mean it's the it's the it's the idea of 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 shock value but once again the thing that can't be just you know put to the side is Caravaggio's skill and ability here. Exactly. It is just un you know it just really is one of those masters. How did you get this painting over I here? I know it's so incredible that we were able to borrow this picture. So um, it was a long negotiation with the Palazzo Barberini in Rome, who owns this picture. It was they wanted to borrow a masterpiece from art collection. Poussin's Death of Germanicus from um, 1627, which they have a major exhibition on the Barberini patrons who commissioned that picture. And so they wanted to borrow it, and we don't lend it. We haven't lent that picture for over 30 years, and it is on our very short Do Not Lend list. But this was a very important exhibition. They're doing a lot of new scholarship, and so we we sort of came up. Our, our director, Katie Crawford Luber, wanted to ask 
for what was the thing that would really fill the shoes for four months while we did this loan exchange. And we think Kara Rogers doing a great job. And I, I love that you say that it's also beautiful because it's, I say it's a gruesome murder, but the way he paints, it's like you can't take your eyes off it because he has the heroine. She's this beautiful young woman. Her costume and dress is so beautifully dressed. It's in the, in the depiction of the curtain and the bed that Hall Cerny's lays on. Everything looks so true to life, you know, mm-hmm. and so vivid, but in a beautiful way. So you, you're not, you're not disgusted or grossed out. You're just enthralled by the scene, I think. Well, and I think you are. And it's, and it's truly, uh, you know, I, it is, you're bringing one of the masters here. I mean, and, yeah. and this is, you know, this is one of those things I always say, this is one of the things I love about MIA. You bring in these arts because I saw the Rembrandt when you guys brought that in a few years back, and I took the kids. I said, "Go, we're going to go see these because you don't see these that often." Um, you you you're bringing in artists which are, I mean, unless you're going to Italy, unless you're going to to Paris, if you're going to the Louvre, you're just not going to see these or the Vatican. You're not going to see yeah. these artists, and so you know that is this is really kind of special. It it is, and you know, one of the things I'm really I love watching people walk into the gallery because everyone's just so taken by it because it is so powerful but it's really cool to come to our museum and see like these exhibitions we do that really put a highlight a masterwork and focus so you can really focus on this painting and you're not having to deal with tons of lines and tours you come in you can it's free you walk right up to the third floor there it is all alone beautifully lit the the installation is stunning and then in the next gallery we have 14 works from our own collection um, showing Judith and other artists treating the scene of Judith and Hall of Faranese mm-hmm. in sculpture and painting in um, prints and drawings. And so you can really get a sense of how radical Caravaggio is, but it really contextualizes it. So it's just a, a great, you know, 20-minute visit where you're just, you will never forget seeing this painting. So, um, and there's lots of other things to see for free, but I really do love these small-focused exhibitions. And can, can I just really quick talk about let, talk a little bit about the context of having the Caravaggio and then the other paintings there? I mean, it, obviously, when you it's it's fascinating. I think sometimes I've seen only only a handful of exhibits like this where mm-hmm. the idea is not the artist; it's the subject. And mm-hmm. the same subject is presented there. Talk a little bit about that, because obviously yeah. it, it's it's to a point it's watching a lot of different interpretations of the same scene. Right. Yeah, I guess you could compare it to all the different makes of a Marvel, like a, a Spider-Man <laughs> or something. But but it's it's really interesting. I think the visitors, when they see the, the group of works, they really are able to see with their own eyes. They don't have to read the text. They really can can focus and see how different Caravaggio is by seeing how other artists handle it. And Judith was just such a popular subject because there were so many ways to interpret her. And so some artists wanted to show her as a virtuous beauty, some as a dangerous temptress, others as, you know, the femme fatale, the courageous hero. And so you can see how each artist takes it. And in Caravaggio's um, depiction, he shows the heroine as so young. You know, we're we're in in the scripture, she's described as as a widow, but we were in that she's beautiful, but we don't really know much more than that. But Caravaggio's Ju- Judith looks all of 20 years old. And, and so she, and she's terrified. She's not happy about having to try to do this nasty business of cutting off a head. And, and her tentativeness makes her all the more heroic because you realize she's not bloodthirsty at all, but she's mm. doing this to save her people. Yeah. And so, you know, he makes a lot of deliberate choices in order to give you that sense. And he, he, he has her, her maidservant look almost caricatured in her age, you know, as she's yeah. about to bag the head once it's decapitated and her to her flower sack. But by showing her so old, it shows how, 
how um, young and beautiful the Judith is. Yeah, so you want you want to double bag that head. Uh, I will. I will say. I will. Well, first of all, can we just two two points? One, considering the time this is from, she could be twenty and she could be also a widow. That was probably not too outrageous at all. And, That's true. And That's true. And also, I I think that there is. The thing about Caravaggio in this painting, just from what I've seen, and and I will be by soon to go, to to view it in its in its full splendor, yes. is that it's she's she's if I can use the term badass, but yes. with people that are called upon at stressful times to become a hero, exactly. there's a reluctancy that comes there, and so the way that he interpreted her is exactly how I think someone would be. Is that I'm not looking like a Joan of the Arc char- or Joan of Arc character where I'm you know marching on the horse. It's just I got to go do something real ugly. He's drunk. Let's get to town, and 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 so she becomes the hero. But there's nothing to to necessarily to celebrate about it outside of saving her town, not the act itself. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really hard not to read Caravaggio's own biography into this because Caravaggio <laughs> had a very um, tr- troubled personality and got in t- into trouble a lot with the law. He has a court record in Rome. We see that he's out. He's carrying around a knife at night and he goes around with his boys and he gets into a lot of trouble. And eventually he goes, he has to flee the city and go into exile because he's murdered someone in 1606. Now that's six years after this happens, but he's been involved in knife attacks before this. And, and while he is violent, I think he really empathizes with her. He knows what it's like to be in a situation like this where he's up against another bad guy. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy that he murdered in 1606 was a notorious pimp in Rome who he had come to, he and his friends had had issues with before. So he's thinking about it from the point of view of what would happen. How would this really be if you were attacked or if you were trying to save your town? And, and I think he, his empathy into the situation is fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, and he spent the last four years of his life on the run because he got into more trouble. He went from Naples to Malta to Sicily, but everywhere he went, because he was such a famous and amazing artist, everyone, he got major commissions. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't stop his career. Well, it's nice to know that me and Caravaggio have something in common. We both have a court record in Rome. Now, I will not dis- <laughs> I'm not going to discuss any more about that, but we do need to discuss art and bloom just really quick, because yes, I know that you're mainly yes. focused on the Caravaggio, but I will be remiss if I didn't mention today kicks off art and bloom over at the MIA. It is one of the most exciting times of the year at the museum. Um, From April 27th to April 30th, we have over 150 floral displays in our galleries. It's free. It is so fun to see these um, artists um, interpret the works of art in the collection, the most beloved works. And I I walked through this morning. It is a really thrilling, beautiful thing. And this time of year when we're all waiting in Minneapolis for spring to arrive and it just won't come, this this is the best thing to do because you will see fresh flowers in, in almost every gallery. And it's open through Sunday. It's a four-day festival. So don't miss it. It's it's one of my favorite times of year. Art and Bloom, very popular. Get over there. Go to the MIA and just go to the MIA anytime. Not only the Caravaggio, but they're also fantastic exhibits throughout that museum. It is really, truly a gem in the crown of the city. Uh, Rachel, one last time. When is the Caravaggio there until? When, when, is, yes. when do people have to see it by? It's open through August 20th, so don't miss it All right. because it's four months, and I don't know when we'll ever get a Caravaggio back there. Hard thing to borrow. Well, and you know, then it's state fair time. we got to take Caravaggio. He'll, he'll enjoy the fair. He'll have a good time out That's there. True. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Rachel McGarry, uh, anytime you want to come back, my goodness, you and I could talk for hours, I think, about art. Uh, it, it's and- wonderful. 
And let's hear about that that exciting trip to Rome. Oh, I, I just uh, you know it's it's yeah okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Come on down to Minneapolis Institute of Art. Indeed, Rachel McGarry. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. She's the curator for the Caravaggio. Go see the Caravaggio. Go see Art and Bloom all this weekend. The MIA is just spectacular, and I just love this city.